Speaking of oddies and handlings, like I said a bit ago, friend of the show Ben has made his own campaign starter kit, which I'm I'm fairly fond of. Um, it's called the Wasteland, and it's about exploring in other space. Hey. Um, and basically the setup is there's this other space called Grief's Junkyard, where anyone that dies in a vehicular uh, related mishap. Um, as long as they are, they still dwell strongly within the heart of someone that's still alive. Mechanically, this is represented by being their favorite. Um, yep. they are stuck in this other space, reliving their moments of death. But mm. anyone that is their favorite or anyone that has them as their favorite, the deceased can go into this other space and pull this person out of the wreck and, in that way, base they just bring the person back to life. Sure, and that's a solid setup. Yep. Um, basically, everyone involved in this—that's all the default player characters, of which there's four instead of the usual five. That's pretty much their goal, except for one. She's kind of manipulating the other three. She's not looking after her favorite. She's been hired by someone else to look ah. after their favorite, and is kind of manipulating. The uh, other three player characters to support her in this project. Okay. Um, and basically recruited them from various local um, grief support groups. And the other thing is, like, all three of these people, loved ones, died in the same plane crash. Ah, yeah. That and links it all together. Yeah. And basically, the setup is you explore in Grief's junkyard. You get there by digging a hole near a site of a. Uh, vehicular accident of some sort and okay. then when you climb out of the hole climb up is way longer than it should be and then when you reach the top you're in grief's junkyard and it has yeah. some weird spatial properties where basically okay when you exit a hole um however long it takes however many steps you spend walking away from the hole it takes that many steps squared to get back <laughs> All right. God damn it, Ben. And there's like Make there's some cool maths. mechanical bits where they're like, all right, you know, we want to support like being properly prepared for this sort of thing. It says straight up, Adonaris isn't really ho suited to hex crawls, and exploration <laughs> should be more objective driven, but preparation should still be rewarded in various ways. So he kind of handles that with like, all right, when you set up something, when when you prep for what any sort of expedition into the junkyard, you have a D100 score for how prepped you are. Yeah. And whenever you do anything requiring resources, it takes away from that. So like there's a whole supply score and there's another thing of like, all right, whenever you're excavating and like drawing someone out of a, out of a vehicle, it takes a number of supply, it takes a supply score equal to like a D100. So it's like a gunshot. And then you need to be worrying about like staving off hunger and shit. And then it goes into like, all right, who are some people that'd be around? Like you have one of the player characters, patron, who's like this weird wealthy eccentric that comes from a magical family. So even though he right. doesn't practice magic himself, he still kind of knows a little bit of the shit. You have yeah. a detective and a retired FBI agent that have been working together who have dug up this stuff on their own because the detective has found all these weird dig sites popping up near car crashes. And you have all these factions that operate in the area, <laughs> like you have, which I'm very fond of. Like you have a group that are smuggling drugs, like a small town sure. gang using it to smuggle drugs. You have people that are called other knots. That whole thing is they're trying to study the space in and of itself. 
You have the yep. Ballards, whose whole thing is like just they're they're trying to uh, imitate JG Ballard's crash as like a bit of a joke and a way to goad each other, and then this ended up becoming like a a mutually self-destructive, uh, basically a cabal without mm-hmm. necessarily the magic, where they're all trying to push push each other into doing more and more dangerous acts. And they end up finding yep. out about the place in the project prospect. And then there's natives to the junkyard too. There's sure. like weird Mag and Max tribals um, <laughs> that like just straight up fucking raiders decked out in BDSM gear. One of the gangs found the wreck of a fucking nuclear sub and now has two nukes. And they're selling the nukes to this fucking gang. Uh, you have slavers. You have this guy in the gas mask called the Cleanser, who's. Described as a cross between the titular character from the Book of Eli and Doom Guy. The cleanser sees itself as a crusader <laughs> fighting through hell for humanity's salvation, and their obsession is the dead stay dead. Solid obsession. Yeah. Like the, the, there there's there's really good stuff here. And the, the important thing is all this is extremely specific. Yes. It's not yes. vague. You have a, a solid core objective, which is okay, find the plane crash. Where your loved ones are locked, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about this one versus the other ones is this is one of the only campaign starter kits that comes with an end game. Yeah, this is going somewhere. It's not just yeah. like fade away into like possibly. Yeah. Well, the others come with an end game, but like not really because it's always like, what's the next step? But this is like very clear. This is early sessions, and then late middle, and then this is what we've come here for there's cool locations in the fucking junkyard like yeah you have the fucking wreck of the nuclear sub where one of the raider gangs has as their headquarters and they're like crazy well equipped they have like working cars and shit you have the ambulance graveyard you have like these swarms of pets of like household pets that just sweep through the fucking junkyard like a plague of locust Mm mm-hmm you have the gas and go, which is this weirdly pristine gas station that all the food that you take from it just immediately rots. Like there's there's really solid stuff in here in terms of like gameable material and interesting encounter ideas. If anything, like the the I guess like the my one real critique is like fuck that there maybe not enough milestones. They're good milestones, but they could use a little bit more detail each, I think, and there's just not enough of them. Five milestones is not not enough for a full campaign, I think. The the fact is that this calls itself, Ben has called this a campaign starter kit, and sort of arranged it, similar to the other ones. This is a campaign. This is, it's just a campaign. Um, it's not a starter kit for anything. It, it's a, it's a fully, I don't know, it's, it's not, it's more like a scenario or like, or a series of scenarios or like, no, it's a campaign it's not because it's like, fleshed out enough for a scenario, I think, because it would need more encounters and it would need to have like the encounters more thoroughly statted out, I think. Maybe. But yeah, this is like a solid, I'm, I guess, what's the difference between a campaign starter kit and a campaign? I think the ideal campaign starter kit is, could be called a campaign where you read it and you're like, I don't really need anything else to run this. Yeah. Maybe I'll need to stat some shit up myself, but like that's it. True. But it wouldn't take much to turn this into a full campaign, just like stat up some of this stuff and then yeah. off you go. Yeah. Um but yeah, it has a, a very strong sense of like it, it's a, like this is a th- this is a thing with this it sort of like um justifies it exi- its existence by having an interesting place 
that mm-hmm. have been described and interesting people in that place. It all fits together in a way that yeah. some of the other starter kits don't. Um, yeah. it, there's more there, there. There's more there, there than it's like than other, some of the other ones because it's about the junkyard. And like you can use this as well if you don't want to like play this campaign with these characters. You can still take all this information, run it as another space yeah. that someone yeah. finds. And yeah. that your characters find, and the fucking Los Toros de Saturno are still there, and yeah. the other Norts are there, and they can encounter them. It's like, I mean, again, the, the specificity is what makes this work more than yes. the other ones we've been going yes. over. I think. I mean, like, I love some of these obsessions. Fucking adoration as worship as the closest human beings can come to being deified. That's great. Yeah. That's a or obsession, a Disneyfied version of himself. <laughs> there's more oomph to these yes. sessions there's, there's more, more character oomph. there's more character there's more uh, it feels more concrete yeah I agree they, they, like these people don't feel quite as sketched out as some of the other NPCs we've been dealing with uh, some of the excuse me as some of the other player characters we've been dealing with yeah Agreed. no this is good like I, I, I like this because I think this one and honestly I think I like this one more than Raiders of the Lost Mart we'll go into that a, in a bit but Raiders of the Lost Marvel has, like, better details, I think. But, like, far as, like, completeness in terms of, like, this is a campaign in and of itself that you don't really need to do much else to yeah. run. This is, I think, the best they got of the campaign yeah. starter kits. It, in a way, almost justifies the concept. Yeah. Okay, what what you got next? Uh, okay, so we're getting towards the bottom of the barrel here. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Let's go with uh, Karmic Ties and Fifth Wheels. The elevator pitch for this is that you're all black sheep of a large extended family based in rural Wisconsin, brought together for a family reunion at the behest of the matriarch, Maple Adams, and discover old secrets and occult mysteries lying at the heart of everything the family has done over generations. The The very core idea of, like, we're all black, black sheep of this, what is clearly a red state-coded, like, conservative family... Yeah. Um, who are portrayed in like that's just being a bunch of dicks. Um, while all the 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 PCs are like like this one who uh who is a, a Civil War reenactor. That's a cool character. That's a cool character, though. I mean, assume it, it, that's a cool identity at least, right? Civil it's War cool reenactor. Identity. I think is a cool I, def- identity. Definitely a cool identity. Substitutes for knowledge, provides firearm attacks. Um, and. <laughs> Well, that's a great excuse for having a gun, knowing how to use a gun. Oh yeah, I'm a Civil War reenactor. Actually, it provides initiative, substitutes for dodge, substitutes for fitness, which is uh, also fine. But it's not. I, as I'd good. be hoping uh, like substitutes for knowledge, substitutes for fitness, and provides firearm attacks would be what I'd give there. Um, then you have uh, Lucinda Adams, who's just a just an obnoxious. Actually, her identity is obnoxious, which is pretty cool. Right. I'm not big on identities that are sort of character judgments, but I think that's my own thing. You know what I mean? I know because, okay, obnoxious, coerces, helplessness, protects, connect, substitutes for lie. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. What, what, the, what the hell is protects, connect? What the hell is what? that? Oh, yeah, another thing with these. A lot of these weren't very well edited. <laughs> anyway, one I do like. Okay, we've got, oh, wait, we've got Stevie Malone, who is a street performer who's... Heard the black tone once. Remember the black tone? Um, I kind of do. Not really. No, I don't at all. What the fuck is the black tone? It's something from book three, I think. Um, it's a magical... I don't know. I think it's something that Greg heard in the podcast and wrote up. My favorite is this Rachel Malone Johnson, who 
the what I why I like her is because she's like a, a Christian, but also magical, and her obsession is to sure. seek definitive proof that magic is a gift from God, which is a cool. That, spin. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. And then you have one who's like wanting to become a Buddhist monk, and they're all like they're all looked down upon for different reasons. The main guy, Kevin. Johnston, he's uh, in trouble because he divorced his wife or she left him. And, like, they have this extended, like, shitty family. Um, and this matriarch who's also shitty. And there's a whole thing where they're meant to be really anti-magic, but also they're selling occult artifacts on the side. I don't know. It's, it's again, it's, it's sort of half-baked in a way that I don't really like. It doesn't really come together in a way that makes it worth much time. So, before we continue on this, who wrote this? Oh, this was written by... Monica Valentinelli. Okay, what has she done? Alright, looks like she's worked on... Also did some stuff for Conan. The Ferramodifius Conan! Conan. Uh, done a lot of stuff for Cortex Plus, including the Firefly role-playing game. Uh, did some stuff for Eclipse Phase. She's the only one of these so far who has their own Wikipedia page. Yeah, I saw that too. Uh, some stuff for Shadowrun. Uh, lots of stuff for Chronicles of Darkness, it looks like. Um, and just storyteller in general. Yeah, it looks like someone that's been around for a while. And, uh, has, uh, worked for basically every publisher short of Wizard. Every publisher that does stuff that... Every big publisher that does stuff that isn't, you know, D20 fantasy. I don't know, like, I read this a couple of times, it just kept, like, falling off it. I don't yeah. know why. It just sort of, like, lacks something. I honestly... Uh, uh, it sounds like one of the solutions, maybe, would be, like... Don't lean so much into, I guess, like, the, you know, liberal exile from conservative uh, rural family thing. I know it's an easy thing to draw from. I, I'm sure, like, a lot of role-playing game writers can relate with that experience on some sure. level. And a lot of players can. But, I know, like, people... A family like that also is going to have, like, a lot of people that aren't just exiled because they're liberal or que- and or queer. You know, have a bit more people like the, the 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 Christian adept, right? Like someone that's trying to square those two worldviews. Or, I know, maybe have someone that's still pretty conservative but is also queer. Yeah, the liberal versus conservative thing is more like an implicit sort of thing. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm admittedly just... <laughs> I'm getting all this secondhand from you, bud. And it's more implicit, but it's there in a way that could be either brought out more and like focused on yeah. in an interesting way or because it, there's the whole thing with um like the the matriarch's not really as old as she says she is and now she doesn't want anyone to practice magic and she won't give the, the, her big inheritance if anyone practices magic which is interesting sort of like situation to be in uh, I mean, I think there's interesting implications in the family of like alright we all know magic exists but it's not allowed I think you can do some stuff with that, right? <laughs> that that that's solid. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes like the, the, like the type of person that's like anyone caught casting spells is cut out of the will. You know, the fucking estate lawyer drafting this up is like, what the fuck is this woman talking about? Give give all the characters supernatural identities that they're not allowed yeah. to use. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, well, it's not that they yeah. aren't allowed to use them. They need to figure out ways to use them discreetly, of course. Yeah. At a big, like, family gathering, which is yeah, sort of what yeah. setup is here. That, that, that's a cool, I think that's a cool setup for maybe not a whole campaign, but at least, like, a one-shot. Yeah, this, this feels like it would be better, like, designed as, like, a one-shot as opposed to a campaign. Uh, it, it's, it's like, 
fully like the objective is once again is there another frustratingly fucking nebulous one? find out who's damaging our reputation uh okay i mean that's better than some of them it's it's like within the family it's like uh it's i'd, I'd word that is like find a effective target for the family's uh, uh blame for a given incident sure the the whole thing is like the the it's the setup is like that maple adams the matriarch is 101 but she's actually not really it's a trick mm-hmm. um but like they're all like sort of competing over the inheritance which is that's a better sort of objective to go towards we have to bamboozle uh, or like make friends with maple adams but like make that explicitly what their goal is but they're not really designed like that they're more like we're sad because our family hates us sort of thing i wonder how much of this comes from like a lot of the people writing these just not having a whole lot of experience with actually running the game it was new it was very new at the time when all this was written it was like i mean it was actively in development when these were being written I mean, like, they probably had access to the beta rules, I'd imagine. And frankly, I think a lot of these were probably... I would not be surprised if at least some of these were directly adapted from, like, campaigns that people corkboarded at themselves. Right? Yeah. But translating that to something... You know, knowing, like, okay, you need to make these objectives and obsessions and whatnot fairly concrete. The game works better when you do. I'm not sure that's entirely common sense versus just learned wisdom. I don't see any like lists of like playtesters in the uh, like the the blurb at the back. That's true, but people forget those all the fucking time anyway. True, like, that's true. an issue true. that people have for scenarios just regularly. The, the, I could see what it could be like. Oh, we didn't list them in these individual projects because they're listed in the playtesting part of the larger books, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know the circumstances around all these. We should really interview some, interview some of these people at some point. Sure. But... Not too hard to reach out. You know... Like, Last one. Yeah, Last can, one well, I no, I, I, I want to finish with, with that thought there. All right. It'll be real brief. You know, we, we can, like, pr- give Ben praise for, like, you did a version of these that is a lot more effective than other campaign starter kits, but how much of that comes from, like, having the ability to run the game for a few years and look at these problems... From a more experienced eye and an exper- and an eye that could look at previous attempts and see what they did wrong. And also, it came like Ben was going through his madman's fucking like every. I'll put like a, a blog post about. I'll do an yeah, every, army thing every, every day for a year. Yeah, well, not, not every year. Every, like it was like a lot of them, and that, that for the better portion of, of a year before he burned out and then finished it later. Yeah, Which, right. Yeah, he he, he, uh, he got through like. 11 months so like yeah it's pretty good good. it's pretty damn good Uh, so like once you're through like something like that you're gonna be so unknown army's brained that like inevitably like and building on like ideas from before um like wanting to keep things like fresh and interesting each time um there's got to be a like a positive influence on the production because you'll be comparing it to your own self where some of these didn't really have that as much more in 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 a vacuum kind of thing yeah all right last one last one the Second violence last one because we have a we have a shared one oh, to go over. L- last one for me yeah uh the violence inherent in the system which was written by uh rabbit stoddard 
they worked on Grim Wars 2 and Rain and Talisman Adventures. All right. I mean, another Stolzy project, at least, with Rain, right? Sure. So, the violence inherent in the system for the elevator pitch is uh, the players take on the role of a group of young people who grow to believe in an abstract yet real force active in the world, a force that embodies systemic, systemic oppression and violence against those who do not serve the will of authority. Um, over the course of the campaign, their efforts to find and understand this force may shift their, the scope of their activity to a cosmic level. So their objective is to discover and eliminate the violence inherent in the system, which is described as a dis- corporate cosmic entity that operates on the same level as the statosphere, as capable of inhabiting almost any kind of authority agent or group. It respects power and tokens of power, but it is something that arises as a side effect of an oppressive status quo. Um, and he, this is blamed on the current statosphere um, being in fundamentally violent and uh, perpetuating uh, violence inherent in the system. Um, and this being exploited by some groups of avatars. And how it all sort of operates is it is drawn to conflict arising from an imbalance between an authority group and those the authority group has power over. And it gives examples like uh, cops and disabled and whole homeless people, authoritarian educators and minority students, or bank loan officers and marginalized would-be home buyers. And it comes and it... It, it, it's attracted to the power di- the tower disparity and it makes the authorities feel as if they're threatened or feel the other side deserves it somehow. It's a kind of a weird concept. This is like bizarrely high concept for a fucking newbie facing starter kit at like a street level game. Yeah. It's interesting because it is sort of like um, it's both an entity and not it's like created by the the oppression but also it encourages the impression which is like that's it's like the like a self-sustaining yeah i mean you know yeah a cyclical thing i get it i get it i guess like how are you supposed to fight this thing though is my my question what's what's like the objective what's the well um well it's basically taking down the statosphere um itself um through the milk. All right. Which is, which All is right. So- hey, if you, if you able to give, give a convincing pitch for that in 24 pages, hats off to you. One interesting thing is that the, uh, what I think I do like about this is that the, there is options given for like, um, what if the, the, the PCs decide to go the other way? Um, because like who's involved in this is, that is good. That is re- I really appreciate that. Mm. Like, all right. Even if you're making like the, Antagonists, like, basically the fucking miasma of institutional evil. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, give them an evil option. Yeah. Well, what happens if they side with the, the, the evil fucking smog cloud? There are three, other than the violence inherent in the system, the potential antagonist groups are Autocorpulentus, the Milk, and the yeah. Sleepers. Which is is a right, lot. Easy ones. Sure. Uh, but the, the, sure. what I appreciate sure. is that they do. There is mentions of like, well, if the PCs decide to just like go with the auto corpulentus, it's just like, whoa, that's that's a good way to like, that's a good spin. Like, yeah, fuck it, we're gonna join. I can't beat them, join them, sort of uh, solution, which is uh, fucked up. The milk's an interesting one. It's it's kind of weird because the milk doesn't get a whole lot of uh, 
Hold a rut. Yeah, I do appreciate usually. the use of the milk. I, and I also appreciate, like, the, like, kind of mentioning fucking, like, school teachers and cops in the same breath. Yeah, sure. That is that. I do like, that's a bit, that's, um, I, I do enjoy that. The, siding with the milk, sort of the idea is that they would take down, like, the violence inheritance system by, like, forcing some ascensions that change, change things quickly. Which is, I like that sort of as a high concept, sort of like, let's just, let's change the world. Okay, sure, <laughs> but that doesn't, that, that doesn't work. That's just the fucking stratosphere equivalent of, like, progressive liberalism. The, the slow march to the institutions. The entire institution no, no, is rotted, is the point well, here. No, they want to bring it down by... Hold on, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, oh, by having people take it out from the inside? Yeah. They... So in this, the... the, the um, One of the conceits is that the milk is close to completing the invisible clergy. Um, and forcing some... Um, like, trying to get to uh, do, do a reboot. Like, allying with the milk, you can force a, a world reboot. All right. Which is, like, I like, like, the, the way reboots are portrayed in, I don't know, I, mean, I always portray it as, like, it's like, I always think of it as, it's like, more eschatological as opposed to what some people do, which is, like, yeah, reboots happen every now and then. And it changes, like, like three, three, three event sort of thing. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's like a, that's a patch, right? Patch. That's like, yeah. That's that's the fucking duct tape and chewing gum that the clergy uses to hold the universe together is like kind of fraying at the edges, and they're like, "All right, we need to pause everything, roll back to a uh, earlier version, and then keep going from there." Because something so fucked up happened that we can't really recover this. So the three ways they've got to like sort of take uh, to deal with the violence inherent in the system this 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 cosmic fucking force um you can they can either incorporate it to force it to inhabit a specific entity and then defeat it or entrap it um they could like uh, entrap it within the logic of power and like turn it to their own ends um or they could just reboot the universe <laughs> which is okay uh, because it's the, the, the I think this needs some like intermediary <laughs> objectives. Sure, yeah, like in between sort of bits. Um, it's like this is a great cosmic objective, but I want to know what you do to get. I you know unless the player characters were built for like a cosmic level game, then that's no. this is fine. I think. Nope, they I imagine they are. They got one twenty points. Uh, we've got. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's like the book gives guidance for that. Our whole thing of like fucking street levels one twenty. Global is 180 and Cosmic is 240 is just kind of something we've come up with. No, that's from um, the second edition. That was the that was the device given then. Was it? I thought second edition had like a different score. Oh, maybe a different had like a different point total. It might be like the same proportion. I think it's the same proportion. Oh yeah, I'm crazy. Where it's like yeah, like one, one and a half, and two. Yeah, but I, I think that's pretty straightforward. Okay, so the characters that they've got here, the best one is Demarcus Jones. Um, who is just a kid from the block who has prophetic dreams, which is cool. That's all you need. I, that's, fun. that's fun. I like that. That's all good. Is he like actually like a kid? He's nineteen. Uh, okay. I I find unusually young player characters interesting. <laughs> I love the description. Is kind of funny to me. Demarcus is about nineteen, large, soft, with a sleepy expression and an afro pick in his hair. Uh, he dresses in the standard sloppy athletic right. clothing style of most kids his age. Do people have, still have the Afro picks? I don't think I've seen an Afro pick for a while. I have, but you also have to keep in mind that I grew up in a part of the world that smokes a lot of weed on it per capita. Sure, fair enough. 
So I've got Tyrell, Ruiz Jones, a hustler, and avatar of the true king, which is, eh, I don't know, it's like, it's fine. Bettina Toma, a Catholic, butch, lesbian, gearhead. But again, it's like that the, the um, identities are split a bit uh, lower than... A lot of these seem kind of stereotypical. In a way, yeah. Like, okay, lesbian mechanic, sure. <laughs> we have uh, Tracy Rebecca, who is survivor costumer. She's like uh, trans, but like ran away from her family at the age of 14 and became right. a costumer and everything. Survivor, fine, but like a bit of missing something like a bit a bit like sort of like the passions are kind of sort of standardish. I don't know it's lacking something a lot of the characters in these are like all right they're oppressed sure they're from some sort of oppressed minority group yes and then they kind of end there yeah it's like it's, it's a bit like lacking in oomph of like like uh individuality yeah. like no i need more details yes in crassy i need i need something else going on with this person that doesn't just make them like oh they're a lesbian mechanic. <laughs> they're a trans runaway. Yeah, like that's give them give them some fucking weirdness. I, yeah, like give them give them so give have a bit of conflict inherent in their personality. I think it's sort of like I found this with like when I've done characters and I found like I'll, I'll end up starting with like a concept and then like end up like they get like certain identities later that fits. I feel yeah. Um, I tend to go with like in the same way. I do also enjoy putting in people of, um, you know, uh, marginalized backgrounds. Agreed. Really, no, like, yeah, like, agreed. And you can do a, you can do a lot of interesting stuff there. Sure. It just feels like a lot of these pregens kind of stop and start with they come from a marginalized background. Sure. Sure. And maybe have like a obviously related adept or avatar identity. Mm-hmm. The most obvious one. Is the second one. Yeah. And it's sort of like nothing wrong with that, but it's like. If you're producing a product, like anyone could come up with that, also, <laughs> like anyone would come up with that character. I'm I'm very fond of the guy that you made recently, the uh, trickster avatar with Down syndrome. Yeah, he's a really fun character. I enjoyed making that one. I don't know where it came from. It came from it was one of the things because we were edit, uh, editing the last episode, and yeah. um, no, I knew where it came from. We, uh, I was listening to us because I was doing the editing, so I was listening to me and you talk talk shop. And early, like just by chance, earlier in the day, I'd been like, uh, when I was like supposed to be working, um, I was instead yeah. watching a, a YouTube video, which was one of those videos of like, um, uh, do all Down syndrome people think the same things? Where they ask them questions, and they're like, like they're the, the like the lines is like they strongly give different agree, answers. Different my, agree, yeah. my God, yeah, one of those sort of videos. Um, but I just watched, I just watched it because it's something to watch, and it was interesting. But I don't know, it, it stuck in my head. And then as we we're talking about the trickster, I just like it just emerged. Like he was a like no, that's, <laughs> that's solid. My favorite bit is about the flowers for Algernon Gambit. That's oh, such yeah, a yeah. fun character just like all right i scam wizards by convincing them i want to be a real smart guy <laughs> and i heard magic can do that yeah yeah that's it like because the whole thing was he was using his intellectual disability to his advantage because of the way it yes like and i was because also i was thinking about the, way, the, the assumptions that other people yes have of him because of that disability exactly yes and he could use that to bamboozle them that's why i gave him like the background of like yeah his dad was a con artist he learned all the tricks he knows what to do he doesn't need to like I, because i was sort of thinking like in terms of like iq and stuff of what you can do with iq 
it's all about how you use it, really. And because we're talking about like the, I think we're we're talking about the fool and the um, like uh, the levels of intelligence need to be a fool. And I was started thinking about like the difference between intelligence and wisdom and stuff like that. Well, yeah, like what I was kind of thinking is like, okay, this is sort of the guy that like basically his whole thing is like you assume he's gonna be a fool avatar. He's actually a trickster avatar. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and why'd you make that assumption? And I've been thinking, like, all right, how would you take someone with, like, an extremely high IQ and have them be a full avatar? Is kind of what I've been ruminating on in response to this. Ah, yeah. That's that's fun. Without just, like, okay, they, they take, they, like, they smoke a bunch of dope or something, right? Mm, yeah. That's too easy. Yeah, absolutely. So, sure, yeah, I think, I think it sort of feels with this, like, they sort of put the cart before the horse in terms of um, how the characters come about. I don't know, but they're still like all these characters just need a bit of uh something, some ideas. Like I don't know, like if you, what are they missing? What are they missing? They're missing something, some hook to get you really. They're involved. missing something that just doesn't make them immediately obvious. And you know, yeah. some some are better than others. I think. I I I, I get kind of it says that a lot of these probably had really tight deadlines. Just yeah, sure. From sort of the. Maybe because they're like a, stretch a lot goals. of these feel like they weren't really thought on for very long, and they're short. Yeah. That's probably part of it, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I get the sense that, like, these were just kind of cranked out very quickly. But, uh, do you have anything else to talk about the violence in the hand in the system? Uh, not really. It's like, um, I think this is one of those ones which is, there is definitely some interesting ideas, and I like the, um, the, sort of, some of the high concept, like, uh, the I, I appreciate the ambition. That's for sure, Anna. Yeah, no, I think this could definitely work. With the right kind of support, it's just, you know, you need to know going to this is a cosmic level fucking objective. Yeah. And it needs to be treated as such and needs to have stuff leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. To pull that off with any sort of, like, justice, I think you'd need more than, like, just 20-odd pages. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the one that's left is the one that I think we both tend to agree on of the original crop is our favorite. Yep. Which is Raiders of the Lost Mart by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan. And Gareth Ryder Hanrahan is... He's, in the past five years especially, become pretty fucking well-known, I think. Yep. He's basically become, like, the other famous designer at Pelgrane that isn't Kenneth Height or Robin D. Laws. Yep, yep. Um, he's done a ton of stuff for The One Ring, Traveler. He's a long history with Anonymous as well. Like... Pelgrane line. He does, he does. I found some old... Con scenarios of his for unknown armies mm. from like oh, yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s, doing a really deep dig. He's been a fan of this game for quite some time, and he shows up in like loosely in like the fucking um, special thanks section a couple times sure. in some of the two ebooks. Yep. I know he shows up in like a lot of the playtesting stuff. And I mean, fuck, now he's like a fairly well selling fantasy novelist. Mm. Okay. I didn't know that, actually. Through his urban fantasy series. I, I haven't read any of them, but they're, like... They're very sort of, uh, like, pulp fantasy sort of stuff, is the sense I got. Okay. Like, lots of uh, Father and the Grey Mouser sort of... Meets China Meville sort of vibes. Yep, yep. That's cool. Um, The first one is called The Gutter Prayer. I don't know the remaining couple that have come out, because, of course, it's a fucking trilogy. Yeah. Every fantasy series needs to be a trilogy. Uh, but I've heard they're quite good. And, yeah, he's done a ton of stuff, and he did one of these. And mm. there's just a lot of fun shit in there. The The setup for this is 
you are employees at the night shift at Allmart, uh, which is about what you'd expect it to be. And all this weird shit, like all these products with um, unusual properties. Mm -hmm. Coke Zero Ultra. Stuff that appears to come from like an alternate timeline keeps showing up. And yeah. when you get it, it tends to generate some sort of a natural effect, much like a special order. Yes. Uh, and this is where the idea of exostock that Torms and I frequently reference comes from. Yes. The idea of strange, kind of like the whole Uparts thing, out-of-place objects. Yeah, Uparts is a good uh, example. Out-of-place artifacts yeah. coming from a alternate timeline. Right. And... There's just like a ton of weird. There's a ton of interesting bits. Uh, between the fucking flying lawn chairs that eat small animals to a <laughs> lady that shows up with an empty cat carrier and lists the player characters to find the cat, um, so she can sacrifice it in the middle of the store. Yep. To the small-time criminals that walk around with a little dancing Cossack that makes them turn invisible when you're, they're holding it. Yep. To the mysterious shit that just keeps showing up in odd corners of the store. Nobody knows where it comes from. There's just hmm. someone laying down turds. <laughs> yes. The turd and all guy. of this seems to come to, yeah, Mr. Shit. This thing has what a lot of those things laugh, which is spe specificity. Yes. Like, okay, what are the villains? The villains are the people that, the family that run the company that it turns out that all marts are actually some weird sort of ley line geomantic ritual mm -hmm. that um, is used to break the veil between this reality and others. And then they sell those artifacts to uh, interested buyers and make money through that. Yeah. You can go to the weird between dimension that is just a endless warehouse where there's exostock as far as the eye can see, but also strange natives. Mm. And a boat and a, a ship made of shopping carts. Uh, the player characters include like a clockwork woman. Yep. A avatar of the captain. Like her backstory isn't just like oh she's a clockwork and it has like knives in her fingernails. Like no, the guy who made her is an NPC that can show up. Like yep. Backstories that the the player characters aren't incidental; they tie in directly to the campaign in various ways. Yeah, well, what I like about this, like, sort of, like, thinking now, just coming from violence inherent in the system, is that uh, violence inherent in the system is a bunch of characters from marginalized backgrounds dealing with oppression, and the whole campaign is about their oppression and defeating their oppression yeah. in a way where it's just like, why not just have these characters like dealing with something else and having that as, like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean, like. Does everything? Like, it's an unnecessarily high content version. If you could have those characters dealing with like a very concrete problem, problem that makes all of their lives worse, yes, and is concretely a concrete example of oppression, yes, exactly. But instead, they're fighting this weird, nebulous, unnatural creature. Yes, that's, that's literally oppression and can be defeated. Yeah, which I guess I could see from like a it's a wish fulfillment fantasy type thing, but also it's sort of. I don't know, it, it misses opportunities for putting them in, like, real, like, give them concrete situations to deal with. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, like, a, a lot of these references to sort of the unfortunate parts of, like, the modern day mm. are so broadly drawn that they don't really have any impact. Yeah, that's it. And this is kind of an issue with the starter kits in general. 
Heroin Highway, the characters don't like their 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 addiction doesn't feel like a real like a, a solid reality. The effects of widespread fentanyl addiction among their community, from what you've told me, doesn't really come across. Well, it, it's meant to. It's kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't at the same time. Um, there's like sidebars. Like about you need the to give prices. really solid details to get this shit across. I think. Yeah. yeah it's I like agree. yes. Widespread fentanyl addiction is bad. The oppression of queer people and yep. racial minority groups are bad. Yeah. But th- there's no impact there if you don't give solid examples that the players get to push back against. Show, don't tell. Yes. Exactly. But they, they, I guess the argument is that they argue. And then they fucking this is... one, this one is dealing with like way more low level like kinds of oppression, which is just like, yeah, working. Retail and a dead end job really fucking sucks. Yep. But it makes it feel way more real by the sort of things that the players do. Like the little details, like don't actually confront anyone, just call the cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. Right? Like how they're expected to deal with problems and the problems they're expected to deal with feel true to life to these sorts of shitty experiences. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We are being shown, not told. Right. And the thing is with, um, with this particular campaign starter kit, is you can take the characters from any of the other campaign starter kits and just put them in all marts. Like, this is your job yeah. now. Anyone <laughs> can end up working at all mart, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah, that'd be fun, actually. I mean, my biggest criticism of this one, again, the objective's a bit too nebulous. Mm. What's the objective again? Collect exostock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, th- there's no end goal there. Yeah, sure. How do you know when you collected enough of it? But you can change that really easily with stuff that the book pretty directly supports, which is f- in turn it into find the source of the exostock. Mm, yeah. The whole, the whole setup, it does sort of like, like it's a, why it works as a campaign starter kit or is like why I've always felt it's the best one is it because it presents a setting that is flexible. You could just take all that all mart setup yeah, and yeah. use it in different ways. And the whole thing of like, we don't know why we're getting exostock. Um, but we are. You could present that and say, like, okay, what's your objective? This is the situation. There's because there's multiple things you could do with that. Like, Exostock is coming in. You've got this steady supply of weird uh, cult, like, um, artifacts, magical artifacts coming in. Of course, people are going to get involved in that shit. You want to yes. be defending it. You want to be, like, what? You want to try to, like, maybe you're doing a unionization effort like we've done before in campaigns, but it's like the exostock is just in the background there. It might be helping you. Well, but that's a fun tool, right? Like, I mean, one of the things I really appreciate is like, Hanrahan recognizes like, all right, the, the core hook of this from like kind of a, like a supernatural standpoint is the exostock. Yeah. All right. Exostock is cool. I Now I need to give some concrete examples of these, right? Like the fucking fly, the flying lawn chairs or... Cossack or the moon bouts that sends you literally to the moon yeah. <laughs> until yes. you land. And now you need to like, all right, how do you withstand the, how do you with, how do you, do you know to hold your breath well enough <laughs> and not get a lung full of vacuum while you are temporarily on the fucking moon for like five seconds? That's, that's too long to be in a vacuum. I don't want to be in a vacuum for five seconds. Well, the moon isn't a vacuum, I think. It just has an extremely thin atmosphere. I'm pretty sure it's a vacuum. But like, Almost you're still vacuum. cold as fuck. I'm pretty sure it's vacuum. Yeah, it's very close. It's very close, I, I think. But I don't. I think there is a slight atmosphere. Okay, fair enough. It's not oxygen. Like atmosphere is just any sort of like bubble of gases surrounding a uh, celestial object of enough mass. Um, 
Yeah, I think that the, the sort of um, the elevated pitch for this being it's Walmart, but like some of the shits like magical and you don't know why is it's pretty easily grokkable. Even for yeah. people who haven't worked in like Walmart or in like a that sort of role, it's not that hard to wrap your head around what it's like. Everyone's been to supermarket. It's refreshingly like concrete and not high concept. Yeah, I think working a shitty retail retail job is something that like most people can relate to. That's interesting. It makes me think of like something like um, uh, which was the one, Sacred Farmer, right? Sacred Farmer, like leading into something like um, the fact that. Like, it's all about medicine and how fucked up, like, the medical industry is. Like, give them yeah, all, f- yeah. like, and they're all, like, written to be, like, one of them is, like, heavily diabetic. But, like, lean into the fact that they all have health issues. And, like, everyone yes. knows what it's like to be sick. And, like, everyone knows what it's like to deal with horrible bureaucracy. And a lot of Americans you know what it's like to deal with, like, a, a awful recalcitrant, like, healthcare system. And other people know how to deal with horrible recalcitrant healthcare systems in a different way. Um, that's they don't even that, for profit, necessarily. Yeah. yeah. And, like, having that as, like, the, the something that's... Like, they're all meant to, they're meant to be a cabal who is disenfranchised, deserted, and betrayed. But one of them is just a witch who takes ayahuasca. I mean, come on. Like, I can't remember which one. Yeah, is- that's not. I could see the angle being like, I really like ayahuasca, and it sucks that this is criminalized, maybe. Maybe. But even that feels like. That feels a bit cheap compared to, like, I'm diabetic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Give these people some skin in the fucking game. Exactly. Exactly. You can, you can even get um, real saucy with it and have one of the characters have that. Um, what's that? Uh, chronic, chronic Lyme disease or chronic fatigue? You know how you get diagnosed with chronic fatigue? Why well, how's that? You have it for a year, and they can't find another explanation for it. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. It, it, it's a diagnosis uh, that is only given as a fallback for a lack of any other explanation. Do you know what made me... Uh, because generally speaking, I'll, I'll go on the side of like medical science because of I respect the way science works and the process of science yes. and things like that. But the, every... Ev- Every now and then there's something I'll find that just, like, rings alarm bells. And for me, it was the fact that uh, until the 80s, they didn't believe that infants felt pain. And so they just operated on them with um, just, um, like, body, like, making them not move. And these, and it's like, and then they're like, whoops, we were wrong. And it's just like, how many decades were they operating on infants where the infant was still alive and feeling pain? And then they... How do you inform that theory? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was received wisdom. It was just received wisdom until someone pushed back against it. And I'm just like, this is the sort of shit that makes me go, well, this isn't a problem with medical science as a field. It's a problem with people not questioning things. And um, Well, uh, unfortunately, people are the <laughs> individuals who perform science. That's and, you know, a, given enough time, things usually get fixed. But yeah, it's not necessarily but, given enough. Often, the time it takes doesn't help the people that are struggling at that moment. Right, right, exactly. And that, you can set up something like something like Sacred Farmer, where it's, like, about, like, thematically about, There's like, healthcare. There's so many fucking concrete details you can draw from for how the healthcare industry fucks over people. Sure. There is an abundance of detail that you can use for that. Yeah. And if you want to take, like, star pharmaceuticals and make them, like, give them that sort of depth and breadth, 
and like it wouldn't be too difficult no not at all and just throw in some fucking into, like there's plenty of ways to just throw in some thematically appropriate supernatural shenanigans as well that just adds to it tied in with the heroin highway I, I think that some of these could have had some options for like crossover or the other ones where it's like okay heroin highway it turns out that star pharma is somehow involved with the manufacturing of this fentanyl yeah turns out that the, the that mama Cass used to work for star pharma or has like connections there that's how she gets their her fucking material this thing that i noticed i just i just um i i forgot to mention it earlier with sacred farmer but there's this bit at the end like how it ends out ends up um the last sort of section um what to do after like you've they've defeated star uh, pharmaceuticals at least in philadelphia is this this section that goes it's, it's like the last session is meant to be debrief or troubleshooting and the way it's written is just so it's it's okay i'll read it there isn't much action in this session and thematically it's more of an internal struggle for focused session Encourage PC conversations. Ask them what they think Mama would let them think about all this. Whose Mama is like their their big helper? I didn't mention she's like yeah. a voodoo lady. Um, and generally prod them towards scenes that focus on the emotional content of their actions and how they relate to activism in the real world. It makes it feel more poignant for the players and creates. It feels some like more a fucking struggle session. Yes. This sounds like a fucking struggle session. I'm sorry. And creates a more relevant sense of dread about activism in the US in general. It's like, oh come on, what? give me a break. Come on, no. <laughs> Make it put put um, it in the text. I hate to please. dwell on stereotypes, but was this one of the ones written by someone that writes LARPs? I think so. Yeah, that checks out. Anyway, who was this was um I, mean, I can't really give too much shit there. Jailbreak is basically a LARP scenario. Hey, yeah, sure. I don't. There's nothing wrong with Ma. There's nothing wrong with LARPs. No, but there's a certain tendency, I think, for like the types of people that write LARPs. Hey, I, 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 there's a lot of this sort of shit. We there. know, we know um, that a struggle session in a in a, in a, a struggle session in a campaign is that I've done it. Um, although it, I've done it too. Yep. Uh, though mine was literally a struggle session in the Chinese Cultural Revolution. It was a bit more. It was a, yeah. It was a bit more tongue in cheek. Also, it, like we, it, there was the fun part of the struggle session at the end too, where we get a viciously berate one of our own members. Yes, yes. That's the that's that's the uh, that's the whole point of struggle sessions is to viciously. The, 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 all this is is just. You, this is just struggle session blue balling. That's all that That's is. That's right. That's no. It's about it's about really important issues of activism in America. You know, until I was part of the Sundan Army's came about uh, the pharma industry, I really didn't take these issues seriously. Thank you, thank you for running this for me. It's really opened my mind and changed my views in a profound way. Ah, uh, dear, dear. I, I feel like I'm being a bit of a dick, and I apologize. No, but it's like I, I look. The, I also feel this. I, I, I also feel like I'm being a bit of a dick because I'm like I can see, I can see the point, but I'm like, uh, put it in the, put it in the subtext. I just don't think it's effective for the stated purpose. Like that's like, do I think this is a noble purpose and goal? Sure. Yes. Do I think it will accomplish what you hope to? Not in the fucking slightest. Well, there you go. I'm sorry. That's the issue. Like all it's going to turn into at best is a long session of choir preaching. Put the struggle session at the start, and then they go after the leech, and it's fucking crazy body horror madness. I mean, and that's see, that's fun. Like that's a good setup for the first thing, like a, a cool like you know support group setting, and then gradually the support group turns toxic. Is we're like, wait, all these people have names and addresses. 
we can do something about Uh-oh. this. Um, yeah, if you're leaning into the whole, like... Um, the people that are killing us in our community, they have phone numbers. They have children. Now that's... A, that's a... <laughs> well. They have families. The sort of thing that we don't have anymore. As opposed to ending it with this sort of like, um, and this is the moral of the story sort of thing. <laughs> Let us together discuss the moral of the story. I guess it's just not for me as much as I enjoy the the hand feet. I mean, it's, to be fair, like it's not like we don't think that this sort of topic can be done well. I think towards Kate's stuff. Kate's stuff handles a lot of the same subject matter, mm. but I think her stuff has it quite well yeah that's it yeah i think part of that's maybe coming from the perspective that she's writing them as scenarios yeah. as opposed to yeah campaign starter kits and i think that should that dovetails pretty well into like all right what do we think of campaign starter kits as like an idea i think that they are misguided i don't think that i think that a lot of these would have do would done better as written in a different way Maybe as one shots. Maybe as one shots. Like maybe as sort of. Maybe as a couple session scenarios. I mean, the the thing about campaign starter kits to me is like it, it's kind of you lose all the fun parts. Yep. Of doing a campaign. Yep. Which is you know coming up with the creativity, doing the corkboarding, having that fun back and forth of cre- creative atmosphere, having the players get to come up with their own characters. You're losing all that and keeping all the, like, less fun bits, which is like, okay, as a GM, thinking about between sessions, like, oh, well, what happens here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fun when it's something you've come up with and you're invested in it creatively. Yep. That's a much less of a given when you're using a campaign starter game. Yeah, sure. It does seem like people have actually used these. Like, especially, seems like uh, Razor the Lost Mart has had few games run based on I think because Razor the Lost Mart presents, like, it... Uh, um it presents a setting and it, it, it's it's a campaign starter yeah. kit the same way of Ben's it's like it presents like something that like you can use that is weird and different and like presented that while well, the other ones it's just like it's the city of Philadelphia plus these things I don't know I just yeah yeah I think the fundamental issue of the campaign starter kit is they're like in the uncanny valley the unfortunate yeah. middle ground between like a full-blown campaign or scenario where everything's, like, statted out yep. and fleshed out and you get the sense of, like, all right, I can bring this to the table without really having to make that many changes, ideally. Yep. Or at least if you are making changes, it feels like you're, you know, changing a recipe to suit your own taste. You're you're changing it to taste. Right. More so than, like, f- or fixing problems here and there as opposed to having to put in significant creative effort into fleshing out something. That's one end. And the other end is, like, the sort of campaign hooks that Ken Hyde is a master of. Yeah. Where, like, you're given this campaign concept that is just really evocative and given, like, a few important details of it Mm -hmm. in the course of, like, a page, half a page, and then you're just allowed to run with the rest of Mm -hmm. it. And it's written in such a way that your mind just... Those gears start turning and your mind goes wild a bit. Yeah. It's too bogged down in the minutiae to be that, Mm. but it's it's not detailed enough to be an actual, like... T- table ready scenario or campaign right agreed because these like uh, for a few of them heroin highway comic ties and fifth wheels derby girls yeah those three they could be better served as being one shots young yeah. practicals is more like a, a like a 
Like, give me more details on this group called the Young Practicals. Just make it about them and why. Give me more details. I, I think it could be a solid campaign. You know, maybe extend it like 12, 10, 12, 15 pages or so. Fletch out the Young Practicals more in a bit more spice. Yeah. Again, I like our idea of just like having the player characters be hilariously petty. Yeah. And the villain being basically a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, that's fun. Have just one that's full dirtbag. Yeah. Sacred Farmer could be multiple scenarios, I think. The leech and get some give me some scenarios involving uh, star pharmaceuticals and what they're yeah. up to. Um, give me like yeah. a campaign framework instead of instead of a starter kit. Sure. Um, yeah, I think would work better. Uh, you could yeah, you could frame that as like a, fa- a star pharma is something more like a faction write up. Yeah, faction write up that would work well. I yeah, think. and then violence in the hand of the system that like. That basically needs a whole fucking campaign right up to do yeah, justice. Sure. Yeah. Like, it has to be a campaign. Yeah. Or, I guess, like, maybe a cosmic level one-shot, which I've never seen, but would certainly be interesting. But I'm not sure how well... Like, that would be hard to pull off. And you gotta, like, you gotta power these characters up. Keep them yeah. as they are, but, like, you could, gotta make them, like... Like, Demarcus, give him, give him the fucking crazy prophetic dreams. Make Tyrell, like, a full... Yeah. Like full blown strong true king, make make the the fucking the Catholic Catholic lesbian gearhead the best fucking Catholic lesbian gearhead that has ever been. Yeah, just like make it strong, make them all like 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 um fit for the task of dealing with a cosmic force. Yes, uh-huh. absolutely, and. I guess, like, the question of how to fix some of these up in terms of, like, one-shots. One-shots? I know, I think Unknown Armies lacks, third edition at least, lacks solid intro scenarios. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agreed. And these are what these were supposed to have been. <laughs> far, far as pre-written scenarios, intro scenarios are especially well-suited towards the whole corporate boarding setup. Because, yeah. like, all right, you have a particular intro scenario in mind? Just put a couple elements on the cork board when it's your turn as the GM. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I figure ideally, like, what an intro scenario for an Armies does would be, like, you'd have a couple different cork-boardable elements that you could add on, depending on which is best suited for your campaign, mm. right? It's like, all right, I've seen what the other players have put down. I think this guy fits. You're gonna put it down, and all right, now I have the first couple sessions of my campaign figured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's maybe a bit harder to do with other drop-in scenarios, but I think it's still doable. Mm. I think it's still doable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you fucking want to drop in that one from one shots about the chasing after the the uh, dream snake or whatever. Put the dream snake on the board. Why not? Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. Um, if you're gonna like, uh, what one idea I had instead of having like campaign starter kits, and this is really similar to what you're saying, is having something like what would I call it, like a like a a box, uh, like a. Uh, uh, no, I call it a thematic buffet, right? Where it's like, if you want to present a particular setting or like a place, it's it's like some just pages and pages of just like things that you can cut out. And here's like a weird NPC. Here's a weird NPC. Like here's all the shit that's in this town. So like a like a campaign, like a fucking city source book. Sort of. Like I'm thinking of something that works like more like a a fiasco playset. You know how the playsets in fiasco they 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 create the sense of place and the sense of tone and the sense of genre setting. I feel like you could do that with something as structured as like a a source book, but include like a grab bag of related elements at the back. Yeah, 
Perhaps, yeah. Whereas, like, the source book is like, okay, here's what's here's everything that's going on. Yeah. And here's some, like, elements you can use to bring this shit into your particular campaign on the corkboarding staff. You can even have, like, related images. Yep. Right? And you can have them, like, tagged maybe, right? Right. So you're bringing in things which are, like, individuals and sort of locations yeah. which create that sense of, lived-in mm -hmm. sense of place, but still got the flexibility you can choose what you want to put on the board. And because you're seeing the things, like these other elements, and they might still also be in the setting that you, in the game you play, um, because they're part of this place, but these aren't on the board. They're not like key elements. One element, one idea I had was like, say for example, like on the back, like each of the elements could have like different possibilities, like those old Tales of Terror type things where there was like three choices. Uh -huh, sure. Um, so this person, maybe like this is the librarian, like. There could be a Bilby Burmancer, or they could be a Chronicler, or they could be just like a an ordinary librarian yeah. with weirdness, and like, and just give like three options. So the everyone's like sort of got a general idea. Do what they did with the comps in like the early source books, right? Yeah. Where they have like multiple options. Right. It can be David Bowie, it can be Tom Waits, or it can be Kofi Annan, right? That's basically the options they gave for uh, the comps. We really the need to talk books. about the comp at some point. Th that version of the comp. We do. We do. Which one? Which one? All of them. So. You know, but yeah, having that multiple choice sort of thing of like, here's an evocative setup, here's a cool picture, here's a three, because of course it has to be three, possible explanations for what this person's doing. Or you can do your own, or you can do whatever you want. Like, that, that would be, like, this would be like, there'd be part of it would be, which would be player facing, which is like, here's a bunch of things that you'd like throw out in front of them, making the corkboard. It's like pictures of people, pictures of locations, yeah. and like, like a, a small description of like what they know about them, or like they're just their name. And then they, people can throw whatever like yeah. um, relationship they want, um, and it creates a sense of place with like yes. the, what they look like, what the clothes they're wearing, what the architecture looks like, all that sort of thing. Um, and then in the back you have the GM facing parts, which are like these are options you can use that could be helpful. You can do your own shit, of course, but these are some options that give some bread, like some depth to the world, and also the but the flexibility that every time you do it, you'd end up with a different situation, but it would all be fitting within the theme of that town the theme of the situation um yeah and i think that would be more useful it'd be a lot of it might be a lot of work to put that together in a way that works but it, i think it would be quite a good resource my i know that at one point back in the day they intended to do like a chicago city splat book mm -hmm. and let me tell you my favorite splat books are always the city splat books that is my favorite kind of rpg source book period i fucking love them because they're so immediately gameable, they're super evocative. Instant setting. Yeah, it's it's just like it's it's such a great setup for like having everything you can need for a campaign. Right. Yeah. It's like all right, here's what's going on in this one city. Here's the power players. Or even just a one shot. Or if you're just stopping by, here's a cool. If you're just your campaign's just stopping by there for a few sessions, grab a couple things you like and throw them in there. Yep. Absolutely. They're they're just so immediately gameable, and I fucking love city campaigns. Uh, because they are supportive of recurring casts in a way that a lot of RPG setups are not. An example of like what you could do for like unknown armies, um, if you wanted to like create a sort of a specific kind of setting, like you could take, um, say, San Francisco just before it got attacked by the Bad Sturdos and the fucking other ones. Yeah, um, and then yeah. you have like these yeah. are all the people that exist at this time in the '90s in in San Francisco, occult underground. And um and here are these fucking bad guys coming in 
Uh, that's the general like oh like a bird's eye view. And corkboarding is about sort of like taking that and putting your creativity in it. Like okay, this person is my such and such, and and that that's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think would be more useful to get a campaign rolling. I I definitely agree. So there's ways to sort of rehabilitate this concept. I think it's just you need to rethink. Mm-hmm. Like a campaign starter kit doesn't need to fit the structure that these ones do, where it's like where there's sort of a designated beginning, middle, and end. Yep. It can be like here's a big grab bag of related elements yep. that you can use to build your campaign. It's still a fucking starter kit, mm-hmm. but it allows you to exercise your creativity and do the corkboarding and build your own characters in a way that these don't really. Yeah. Agreed. Though like fucking Pre-gens are great for a one-shot. Yes, absolutely. Because you can just immediately start playing. Yeah. If I'm doing something as long as a campaign, I want to come up with my own fucking guy. Or give me something that's worth me doing your campaign as opposed to my own. Which, honestly, I think that's a that's a hard sell for, like, uh, something as long as, like, six to, like, nine sessions. Right, right. Because it needs to be... That's a real fucking hard sell. Yeah, unless it's really tight and really focused. Um, something like... Yeah. I mean, to go did it. I mean, that's but that's a different sort of business. It was designed differently. Uh, yeah, that's that's more of a standard campaign than to go has its own issues too. That's right. So I I would maintain that the thing that has come closest to me for justifying the campaign starter kit setup is okay. Yep. Everything is so kind of tightly integrated. Yeah. All the player characters are very closely tied into the setting, the objective. The objective is concrete. There's solid details for the sort of stuff that is going to get in their way as they pursue that objective. There's complications between players uh, with regards to the relationship with that objective and with each other. Yep. I mean, if I really wanted to run on armies and I was really just totally, like, creatively dead, experiencing just awful fucking writer's block that even corkboarding didn't fix, mm. and usually that's a big thing that fixes it for me. Yep. Same. I, I would reach for Wasteland. Yeah. Again, it's like a hell of an edge case, but it is a case that I think of where it's like, yeah, I'd, I'd want to run this. Yeah. And it comes free with Oddities and Endlings, which is full of other useful stuff as well. So yes, it's just buy a- our friend's book. <laughs> buy our friend's book, but also buy Special Orders Right. Uh, so it. Sorry, that, so that's <laughs> totally unrelated to all this other shit. I mean, does Special Orders Right have a campaign starter kit? Torso? It doesn't. Huh? It doesn't have a campaign starter kit, but it's number one, and all of these endings are number two, which is an order which I find there you go. Uh, gratifying. I'm uh, very <laughs> happy for you. We didn't talk about the design effect. <laughs>